Welcome to Speaking from Experience, presented by APR Media Studios. All right, and welcome back to Speaking from Experience, and I am joined in studio with Sandra Edgel. Hello. And Sandra, man... I am so happy to have you on here. I have been lucky enough to see you at Roast War Championship uh, three different times now. Uh, I have not been lucky enough to see you in your actual stand-up, but I have seen you in the roast, and I'm excited to get the chance to talk to you, so thanks so much for being on. Thanks for having me. So here's where I want to start with you is, how did you end up in comedy? Um, growing up, I always loved comedy. Like I would watch George Carlin and Richard Pryor. Like my parents had it like on, like recorded off of like HBO. Yeah. And and it's always on the VHS VHS tapes. Yeah. So I would just watch that growing up. So I, I always loved comedy and I always thought in the back of my head, like, I know I could do that, but like, I just didn't see enough female comics that would have came from the same perspective that I had. So like I was like, oh, yeah, I could do comedy. But wait a second. My material is more like a guy's material and not like the female comics that I see. So I just brushed it off. And, you know, and then as I got older, like I just finally I was like, screw it. I'm just going to do it. So so even when you talk about that, because your comedy is more like a guy's comedy, what were there any kind of influences that you found that were female that it took you the time to kind of find those people well it wasn't so much the time it's just they came out when i was already like almost done with college like amy schumer came out mm-hmm. um there was uh, whitney cummings but i was one person that i saw it was her last special it was joan rivers don't start with me and i had seen her like you know do the red carpet and mm-hmm. you know stuff like that and I had seen her like on like late shows, but I had never like seen one of her standups and I clicked on it and I, I was on Netflix and I watched it and it was from start to finish, just laugh out loud. I couldn't believe the stuff that was coming out of her mouth. And I was like, oh, well, if she can do it, I can do it. Because and, she's like, she's like two different, totally two different people. Yes. Like when you talk about, and I agree, her on the red carpet and then her, because I'm a huge Howard Stern fan mm-hmm. and she was always on the, on the Stern show. And when she would come in and I remember the first time I heard her on there and I'm like, Joan Rivers, like really Howard. And <laughs> she came in and just destroyed the whole room. And it was like you, she fit in perfectly with the joke she would tell and the, the conversation she would have. And, and so, yeah, what a, what an influence to kind of have, you know, coming from Joan Rivers and seeing that. So, so then you decide you're going to do this. And what does it take for you to finally make that jump and say, all right, I'm going to go do an open mic. I, uh, I looked online and I decided to go to Chicago first. Um, I just didn't want to have a bunch of people come see me. I could bring her show and like me bomb. And I didn't know you have to sign up so far, you know, in advance. And I was like, well, what if I can't write? What if I can't do it? Like, you know, um, so I just start, sat down and started writing. I think I started writing about the Kardashians. I just went because I mean, who they're easy to rip on. So and I ended up with from just I'm like, OK, I'm going to make fun of the Kardashians. And then like when I got down to like the end of the bit, like then I constructed this like one joke that I still do today. And I was like, wait, I can't believe I wrote that. Like that's like I just couldn't believe it. And then it just went from there and I haven't stopped. And I think that's an interesting thing that you just brought up because some of the other comics I've talked to, 
that idea of the first time you go up, do you want people there that you know or do you not? Because I think for me, and I've always toyed with the idea that I would do it. I don't think I could ever do it consistently, but just the idea of trying it and a bucket list thing. I don't think I'd I'd be like you. I wouldn't want anyone else there just because, okay, if I bomb, I walk away. But some other comics like, no, I want to walk out and see a room full of people I know, then I feel comfortable. But I think I would, I'd want to be by myself. I think for me and my friends, like, yeah, I don't want them there because they're they're just going to wait for the opportunity to, like, rip me down. <laughs> and so, yeah, you're going to bomb the first time. Um, even if you do fairly well, you're still going to bomb. It's just not... Even if you don't realize it yet, yeah, you bomb. You bomb. Um, so yeah, I think for but everyone's different. I didn't want anyone there, and I'm I'm glad I didn't. So I just went to Chicago and did it, and it was good. And going to Chicago, that's a pretty big jump to yeah. jump in right off the bat. I ha- well, I have, I know a bunch of people there. So I actually had a friend in the audience. He came out to see me, and um, it was just I think it was better. I think I think most people, if you're going to do comedy, I think you should try to find an out of state place and just go and do it. That's awesome. So once you do the first one, did you jump right in then and, you know, really start grinding? Yeah, I stayed there for three days. So I did the first mic and then I went and did like two more mics the next day. And then um, I came home the following day and then I started going up like every other week. And I would stay for like three or four days and just do like three or four mics a night. That's awesome. And how long does it take until you really feel like, okay, I'm not bombing anymore? I'm, I'm starting to get a feel. Now... Probably now, honestly, being in front of a it's different being in front of comedians and then being in front at a mic where there's like an actual audience, Um, because when you're in front of comedians, you're pretty much going to bomb all the time. Um, And it's not bombing. They're just not listening. And even if they're more worried about their set than. Yeah. And that and a lot of times they've heard what you had to say. And unless and I mean, laughter, I think, is involuntary. Like you're you're eliciting something to make them laugh. And comics just, they already know that. And they're just, you know, they don't care. But once you, if you get in front of a real audience, then then you can start knowing like, okay, do I have it? Is this working? You know, what do I need to fix? So. And I've said this on some of the other shows, but I think that's what I love about comedy the most is that it's the one place where even if you're at the top of your craft, um, you know, in other areas, you don't see that people have to go back and really work things. But even the top, I mean, when you talk about, you know, Amy Schumer or Chris Rock or uh, Jerry Seinfeld, some of these top level guys, they go back to the clubs and work material before they do any kind of special. So, you know, LeBron James isn't going to his high school gym to play pickup game to get ready to go play for the Lakers. But for comics, you have to go back and do the work. Yep. And so as a female comic, do you feel like, that it was tougher on you with the material you used or was it because of the timing and some of the other people had come out that you were pretty welcomed with what you did? Um, and sh- in Chicago, yeah, I mean, my materials, I mean, I don't think it's too offensive. If you're getting offended by my material, then you shouldn't be at a comedy club anyways. And I would like agree with that. I would just, agree with that totally. Um, but no, I don't think being a woman or a female, as far as like the comedy scene, everyone, there's no, people don't care. Um, I think maybe in certain areas, like in Indiana, it's going to be different than Chicago. Um, so you might have some people that are going to be taken aback by the something that you say. But I, I, I don't think that's really going to be an issue much longer going forward. How often are you writing? I write almost every day. 
Um, and if I'm not like sitting down, like writing, I'm constructing things in my mind and then I'll just put little like sentence notes in my um, phone, like when I'm at work, you know, tagging like other notes and I just know it. Like I don't have it like or- organized. I just, you know, just so I remember it. Well, that's a, that's the thing I've said about you after the, the couple of roast war shows that we've been at you are writing constantly while everyone else is performing. You know, everybody else is kind of having a good time and socializing and talking, but you're writing. And I have always said that I truly believe that if Brad would let you just get up, you could probably roast the room with what you're just writing mm-hmm. as the night goes on. Yeah, sometimes. It just depends. Like, sometimes like you something will happen and it just it gets your mind going. And as long as, like, it, once it comes, it come, you just got to get it out, I find, I think. So as you continue, what's the goal to go with with comedy? I have no clue. I know now I'm like, I, I'm addicted to it. Like I want to keep, I want to keep doing it. Um, but at the same time, I don't want to be, and this is, and, and this is probably bad to say because people are going to be like, well, you're not a comedian then. But uh, no, I mean, I don't want to be like the 60 year old grandma at the club still getting up you know, and, and I think I would still do that because that could be like a hobby that you do maybe a few times a month. But I mean, I want to be doing it like all the time. So that's that's all I know right now. I just want to keep doing it all the time. Yeah, but I get where you're coming from. You you don't at some point at some point it either becomes a hobby or it becomes something that could be serious in the future. Yeah. So and then looking to when you're at these open mics, do you collaborate with a lot of the other comedians much or is it kind of you're off to your own i'm off to my and i assume that's how other people are i could be wrong but i think that's how it just people are just kind of doing their own thing i could be wrong and what you know you talk about when you were young you always thought you were you you could be do stand up and it always intrigued you what does your family think about that move now that you're doing it they think it's stupid do like, they really? Yeah, my yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just why, why now? What you're wasting your time, you know. <laughs> I love that because that's the same reaction I got when we started podcasting. Was like, why? Why? What? Do you make money doing this? It's nah, like, no. no, not really. It's more expensive than what we. So why do you do it? Like, well, why do you fish? I, <laughs> I, I, I you really? I, why do you fish? I don't know. I mean, you you never fed the family fishing, so <laughs> I I don't I don't know. So it. But it, it is funny how people like when you have kind of an outside of the box hobby or something you're chasing that, you know, people do. They think it's just ridiculous. They do. So um, when you look back on and I, I'm going to ask you this because you, you brought up George Carlin earlier. Who is the best comedian of all time? Of all time. Oh, my God. I don't think there is one. Okay. It's such a perspective thing. But um, my favorites, I love George Carlin. Oh, my God. I can sit down and just watch him from, you know, from like when he started like early, like in the he started in the 60s, I think. But yeah. more 70s, like 70s. That's all when he way. hit his rise. Yeah. Yeah. And then um, I love Daniel Tosh. Uh, Michelle Wolf right now. I love she's hilarious. Um. Hmm. Joan Rivers, uh, t- Tim Dillon. I, and I think I you know, podcasting is so somebody I, I got like an ad or I don't even know how I discovered him, but he came up and he was dressed like, uh, oh, Megan McCain off of The View. Yeah, yeah. And he was making fun of her. So I clicked on it and he's hilarious. I follow him now. Tim Dillon. Um, 
There's so many. I mean, isn't and isn't Netflix like the the greatest thing ever for stand up comedy specials? I mean, like when you were talking earlier, I guess it's good and bad. Some of them aren't as great as the others, but it, that was like the whole deal. You had to find a friend that had HBO mm-hmm. that had recorded, you know, whether it was Chris Rock stand up or George Carlin or whatever. Now with Netflix, you get comedy specials constantly. And so I'm going to ask you, Dave Chappelle, thumbs up or thumbs down? Two thumbs up. Okay. Because I've heard a lot of people that didn't like his last few specials, and I loved them. What? I thought they were amazing. I thought they were hilarious. And and I know he's pushing a little bit more to make people think, but I thought Chappelle always pushed you to think. You know, obviously he's hilarious, but he also makes you kind of question some things as he he goes through it. Well, that and comedy, I mean... If you can't create tension, like a, you're not going to get the laughs that you want. And I mean, that's that's what comedy is. In every joke, there's some truth. Mm-hmm. You, you take a little bit of truth and you make it, you know, you expound it and, and point it out. But in every joke, there is some truth to it. So so what is your inspiration? Where, where do you go look for? I mean, when you're trying to write jokes and and come up with bits um now i don't have to it just comes before like i would sit down and um i'd be okay i want to make fun of the kardashians or i would take like current events like when the whole uh, trump was putting people in cages like i sat down and actually wrote a great bit that was very nonpartisan. it was just funny because i branch off into like all i like to take a topic that's going to make everyone go like oh my god here we go and then i just take it in a completely different direction and um, so I did that for a while, tons of stuff. And now it just it happens like because I'm so busy, I think. So everything right now is just a pain. I mean, Christmas shopping, cleaning my house, taking care of my pets, taking care of my everything. It's just I don't want to do it because I want to be doing something else. So it's just easy to. It's easy to fire off on those yeah. things. So and then talk. let's talk a little bit here. Jump into the roast war because it is coming up this Friday night and um brad has asked juice and myself to kind of be (laughs) team captains in a way and we got to draft and um i know we're not supposed to release the order but you were one of my top picks thank you Uh, because of what i've seen up there but you are taking on sarah huntington yes what is this how do you feel about this matchup i don't even i don't know i i don't know she's i don't wouldn't consider her i never see her at the mics I mean, I've seen her maybe a handful of times, so like I don't. I she's one of those. I don't know. It's a hobby, you know, like a complete hobby for her. So I I don't know how she's gonna, what she's gonna bring, or what she's gonna, which angle she's gonna take. So it'll be interesting. And I and I, this is no disrespect to her because she she was supposed to be on the show and that didn't work out. So it's no disrespect, but she the the last time I saw her there in the cage, and I said it on the show, she looked like she walked in and just ended up there. Like it, she didn't, <laughs> she didn't look like she was even like, but she was funny. Don't get me wrong, but it was like, she just ended up in the cage and all of a sudden I'm going to do this. So I am very excited to see both of you because yeah. I think it will be a very, very good competition. It's, she's funny. It'll be good. It'll it, be good. Yeah. She's got great wit and she's got great quick comebacks. Um, I think it will be very interesting seeing both of you go against another woman. Mm-hmm. Because I think it's, I, I'm not going to say easy, but a lot of times the guys you guys, you, you've went against have left a lot of things open for you to come right back at them with. And I, I think it'll be interesting seeing two women. Yeah, it'll be fun. I'm excited. What, how different is the roast war than 
just going to do your stand-up? Oh, it's way different. It's way different. I think because it's a competition and you don't know how hard the other person's going to go. And there's so many different ways. Like, when you watch roast battles or roasters, there's so many different angles you can take. And you just... You wanna you you wanna go hard, but you don't wanna like offend the audience, and you don't wanna offend the person you're going to too much. So it's that like balance. It, do you feel like there's anything where someone could offend you? No. Because no. I, I I don't think so. I mean, if I was guessing, seeing you there, I would say that the same thing. But I was curious if you felt like, well, and not not that I'm asking you to throw that out here, but. If there was some topic where they really could get at you, but no, you seem unfazed by most anything. Yeah, I'm pretty. Un- I just block everything out at this point. <laughs> just let it go. I just let it go. So, as you as you continue to do open mics, where do you think the next step is if this becomes more serious? Um, I'm going to start doing a podcast. Um, I'm going to do two things. I'm going to do a podcast, and then I'm also going to do a thing where it's like a podcast, but I'm just going to do like two to four minute clips maybe more like two to three really and where I just like rip on something or I make fun of something and then I'm going to post that um and then the podcast and we'll see where it goes I mean if people don't like or like or watch or then then I know then it's like okay maybe I need to reevaluate this see and I think this is a I think one of the coolest things that you could do with this and I will throw this idea to you and I actually the the, la- the first roast where my wife and I went to, we talked about this on the way home after watching you. I think that there are a lot of men out there who are on the internet who think they're really funny, <laughs> who think that they could get up and do stand-up really easily or get in the cage with you. I think you need to offer like a call-in and and or <laughs> something to where they go back and forth and because I think it would be absolutely hilarious watching you just destroy guys that think they could they could be on your level <laughs> I I really do uh yeah that you could uh, maybe but then I don't know you can't piss guys off you can't you just if that is the cardinal rule you just can't piss them off because if you do you look mean you look it's just you can't piss the guys off so you it's feel a strange, like it's a strange balance. So you feel like if you go after the guys, it makes you look like you're you're even you're you're at a whole nother level of mean and it depends. If you go it it, it has to be very surface. You can't get and I'm more hard hitting. Like I got I got I I was in Pittsburgh and was doing a roast battle and the the judges hated me. I mean, they were just like, You're horrible, you're mean, you're evil and I was just like well like this is strange i've never so i mean yeah i went too hard so i guess you can you can piss people off (laughs) that's pretty that's pretty funny because i wouldn't have thought that that would be like that and but so basically you're saying as men we're way too sensitive i think you can be but i mean i just think i don't know i just i just stay away from pissing the guys off all right well you could, I mean, like I said, I, I think it would be hilarious to hear you roast me because I, I would, I don't take much offense to anything. Well, you're, you're ginger kind of, so that's easy. Like you have something to go on, you know, you take like the obvious, right? That's what roasting is. You take like the obvious and then you go. And sometimes the obvious thing about people is taboo. So oh, absolutely. when you, when you, you try to take that and make it funny, some people don't get the concept of what you're doing yeah and the best part is obviously i'm bald and 
but when I had hair, I had blonde hair. My beard has always been ginger, but my my I had blonde mm-hmm. hair and it never was red in any way, shape, or form. So, but now I have a son that has full red hair. Mm-hmm. So everybody always assumes that I had really red hair, but I did not. But it is not it's not taboo for me at all. But I yes, yeah, so if I was going to come after me, that would be the first one of the first things I'd go after. Yeah. So is that where you start right off the bat? Is just looking at your opponent and trying to see sometimes, but then like with uh. Like Sarah, I mean, she's a pretty girl. So now I, I have to get creative with it. Like I have to take like her appearance and the blonde hair and all that stuff. And then I got to get creative with it and flip it around and. And make it a little bit like kind of like what you said, even with the Trump jokes, you know, you've got to get it to where people think you're going down one road with her, but it's really something totally different. Yeah. And, you know, who are some of the the local comics? I know you said that you don't, you know, collaborate a lot with them, but who are some people that you've seen that locally that you've you've been impressed with what they do? Um, oh, here recently, uh Joe Bates is really funny. Um hmm. Trying to go through and think of, I'm so horrible with names. There's a lot of people that I see and I don't rem- I'm don't so bad at names. Like I, <laughs> when I'm at a, I just block everything out. Like I just um I have to. Uh, Joe Bates, I've seen recently, is really funny. Um, hmm. I'm just gonna skip that question. I'm not even gonna get into. No, the- you're fine. That's okay. I don't, I, and I don't want you to offend somebody. And they're like, "What? Well, she watched me and said I was good, and then now she didn't even say my name." So. He had a really good CPAP uh, bit, and I thought that was really funny. Oh, I someone uh, some uh, what's his name? I don't know. Somebody made a really good joke. Um, at Liberty Street. I can't remember his name though. And it was really funny. It made me like literally laugh out loud at the end. So it was good. See, I think that's really interesting. Just the psychology of it right there. You don't remember names, but you, you remember the jokes, the jokes that they hit. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. And so going back to the podcast and what you're looking to start, what, what will be the kind of format of the podcast? I know you, you said kind of two different things. Um, well, for the podcast, I'm just going to bring people on and we'll have like a topic or several topics um, that I'll just keep track of and move through. Um, and then I'll, you know, I'll put some jokes and tags in there and then, of course, let whoever else is on there do it. Um, and that's going to be just the podcast. Um, I wish I could be like up moving around. I wish I could make it almost like, you know, I like a, a monologue things so, like I do my monologue and then we go talk to the guest. I guess that's still an option, but that seems like a lot of technical work that i i don't have the skills to do but but it would be more like a late night show yeah, with a with a true stand-up piece to it before you go down that's what i would love to do but all the technical stuff like yeah anyways so there's that and then but i do i know i'm going to do another thing separately so it's going to be in the same room that i do my podcast and so like especially with the elections coming up and all this stuff that's going to be so then i can take like a headline and then just go and make fun of it and isn't politics right now like it's just so boring right now? Is it boring to me right now? Oh, I could care. I could care less about the impeachment trial. I it's just the dumbest thing I've ever seen. I'll turn on the news just to watch like five minutes of it. And it's some like senator or someone in the house. I don't even know who they are. And they're just reading this big thing about how they're family came over on a boat like 200 years ago and you know this isn't what the forefathers envisioned and this is why they had the articles to impeach and i'm like wow like this has nothing to do with anything that's going on in this country right now and i just change it i can't take it but 
I think for a comedian, there's a lot of gold right now with, I mean, you got what, like 47 different Democrats running to be the presidential nominee. Oh my nominee. God, it's ridiculous. I can't even, people are like, so if you, if you were to vote Democrat, who would it, who would be your choice? I'm like, I don't even know who they are. I, exactly. I, I mean, this, I think, I think what they do is, and it's, I mean, the Republicans do it too. I think they get as many people as they can. And then they all pick like these like talking points, like let's see where the country is, and like if some people want to go, oh, I'm trying to, I, I want to anything like free healthcare or you know environment, like, environment or, or climate change, and then like whatever these topics are that gets the most people behind it, then they know okay, this is important to the to the Democrats or to the Republicans, you know, and. I'm just over it. And I've I've been around this is I don't know even know what number election this is since I've been born. And it's all the same. Well, it's, and to me it's like I, it it really feels like American Idol to me. As silly as it is because it's like we roll out all these people. Some of them are so awful in the beginning. It's like the the initial shows of American Idol where they can't sing and they disappear. And then we get down to where it's like, okay, these are the couple that might be able to do it, but I'm like you too when you say that each one has their talking points. And with Michael Bloomberg coming in now, it was almost like, well, the Republicans had Trump and he's a billionaire that's self-funded. So we need a billionaire that can self-fund and do all this. So we'll get Michael Bloomberg. I mean, it's just like it's so it's so ridiculous, the whole thing, because I agree with you also. Ninety percent of what they're talking about does not matter one bit. No. And it doesn't. I mean, and and the thing is, after I don't care who wins, it doesn't matter if Trump wins or if a Democrat wins. For the next four years, we're going to have the other side trying to impeach who's ever in office. That's what we do. Mm-hmm. They're going to find something. So I I mean, I, I think I might just vote for the gay guy because <laughs> I want to see all the dirt they dig up out of him. I'm sick of porn stars and, you know, you just want something new to talk in the about. Office. I want like I want to see what the gay guys are up to. <laughs> They're dirty little secrets. You know, that's a great perspective just to say. I mean, it's something we've never seen before. Exactly. And uh, but no, I, B.J. Robbins says this all the time, but it's true. If who is president affects your life directly, you probably have made some bad choices in the past, because in the sense that like, yes, taxes have changed a little bit or this or health care. But like in the last four years, my life is not that much different than the eight previous with Obama no, outside my, of my own personal choices that I've made. I mean, it's. I haven't been affected that much. No, I'm not. I, I mean, I, I'm not going to be affected by the pres- presidency. <laughs> I don't think most people truly are on a base level. I mean. And that's what it amazes me, the people that get so into it and so fired up and so, you know, their belief system is wrapped around this one person. And I'm like, like you, once you dig the closet, <laughs> they all have got something. Oh, yeah. They all have. I mean, you, to get to that level of leadership you have to be you can't be clean like you have had to have stepped on some people and done made some deals that you didn't want to make i mean well even my own closet like i feel like i'm a fairly good person but i wouldn't want to be in that <laughs> that situation of vetting me and then pulling out everything that i've ever done wrong and oh it's ridiculous why i mean some of the stuff that they like try to who was i saw i've totally like turned the news off because it's to me it's just so boring at this point but there was a uh senator like a state senator, maybe out of Cal- out of California. Maybe she was in the house. I'm not sure, but she had made a sex tape with somebody. I don't know, and it got out, and she ended up having to like resign. resign. And I'm like, over that, 
I mean, and, and she wasn't even the one that released it. Like I, it was an ex. It was like one of the like revenge porn things. Yes, but the thing is, it's like oh, so where? I mean, not one woman. I didn't see anyone because we've spent so much time. Anytime a, uh, a a guy does anything with somebody in the office or has an affair, it's always like, well, he used his power. Well, what about her? Did she use her power? And like, where you know, it's like, oh, so now it's you know, it's starting to affect women and. We keep our mouth shut. We don't say anything, but whatever. It it the whole world and the and I, I for you being in comedy, it has to be worth. But people being offended by things and the the sensitivity of the world today is just unbelievable to me. Oh, I mean, it's insane! I they uh I was uh, oh god they did Elizabeth Warren they had, somebody had asked her, and so here's the thing. Now we're at the level to where like uh, reporters and people in the press, they know how to push buttons. So they know the questions to ask that are going to create controversy. And then their click stuff gets more clicks, I guess. So somebody had asked Elizabeth Warren if she supported uh, trans people getting free sex changes in prison. And she said, yes, she answered yes. And it's like, first off, trans people getting sex changes in prison has nothing to do with trans rights like there are law-abiding trans boys and girls that are working their butts off saving money for a lifetime to get these sex changes and you're gonna go give it to people that committed horrendous crimes like hello lady like and, and that 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 shouldn't even be a topic exactly. like you it has nothing, nothing to, to do, do with exactly. the rights or what should happen like i mean it it's just to get people to clickbait. And then, I'm sorry, if you're a politician and you're falling for that and you're engaging that. That's a problem. That's a problem. <laughs> I want I want a politician to be like, that has nothing to do with what's going on in a, with school or feeding your kids or nothing. Nothing. Well, and, and I'll go back right, right with what you just said, because what I want to see a politician do is exactly what you said. Either A, that has nothing to do with this election or anything we've talked about. B... I don't know that answer. That's something it would need to look into and get back to you about. Or see, I'm not answering that. That's yeah. just dumb. just be upfront and it's honest. Like, I'm not a criminal justice uh, uh, expert. Like that wasn't what I went to school for. You know, so it's just ridiculous. And I'm sure the number is higher than I I would think. But what's the percentage of transgender people in prison right now? That I are bet even, it's really low, like extremely low. That are even asking for it. So, yeah. I mean, what is the... It's not an issue. <laughs> right, It right. was just somebody made up a thing that they knew people would click on. Yeah. Because it's going to upset people on both sides. Oh, so yes. So, you can't, you can't lose. You can only win with that question. <laughs> That's the problem. Yep. And just divide the country, divide the country even farther while both sides are still ticked off about it. Yep. And and that's another thing, like in in the whole offense culture and sensitivity culture, we we can't even have conversations about things like if you disagree, you're to the point like you have to hate something. Like if I would say something along the lines of, you know, I don't even know what, you know, I, I disagree with all the environmental protections or something like that. It has to be like instead of just. Well, I think for businesses or the economy, maybe this would be a better route to go. I can't be that way and still say, well, I, I still want to protect as much as we can. I have to be the guy that I want to burn every tree down. I want to get rid of all animals. Like you have to be an extremist now today yeah. to have any perspective. Yeah, that and to get a thought. I mean, you have to. You have to pick a side. You can't just 
take yourself out or or try to have an intelligent conversation or just, you know, point out a flaw. Be like, yeah, I agree with you, but you're missing this point. You can't do that. People will jump on you and rip you apart. And all of a sudden you're anti-woman, you're anti-gay or you're anti-environment. You can't. Or the opposite. You're you're too. You're, you're too. Fi- you're, you're a snowflake. You're. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're a raging feminist. You're whatever. See, that may be the next step for Riggler in these stand up. These roast wars is instead of stand ups, we just get, you know, these two sides of people off Facebook and just stick them in there together to offend each other. I would. Oh, that'd be good. That would be funny. But I think you would actually have to have a separator in between because I think it may <laughs> go to actual true true fist fight yeah at, some people i wouldn't be surprised <laughs> at that point but and that's why i think it's so much fun to hang out with with comedians in the sense that it's the one place where that outrage culture doesn't exist still i mean it's you guys can actually tell a joke and and see humor in it and even if someone tells a joke that totally is maybe not your political views or whatever you can still see the 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 humor in hey, that was a good yeah. one that was a good joke and again, there's still some truth in everything. There, yeah. I, I mean, yeah, you should be able to, if you can't laugh at yourself or if you can't see the humor behind something or see like the mechanics of a joke and be like, oh, that was really clever. That was actually funny. I mean, then what are you doing? You know? And doesn't it amaze you the people who do go to comedy clubs though, like to be offended? Like I, I feel like some of the shows that I've gone to and I know who we're going to see and I'm like, okay, they'll, they're going to hit these things. But there's always seems to me like there's that one person that's like, I can't believe they just said that. Like they came just to get up and storm out and be like, they were offended. I'm like, why did you come? I don't know what people are. I don't know how you could get offended at a, a comedy show unless I, I, I don't get it. And I, I just can't. I've never seen anyone stand up. I've never seen material. I've never seen anything that's been like, wow, that is so offensive that I would say something or get up and walk out or I don't see like and a lot of times people will be like well this person made a rape joke or the, and then like i'll go back and watch it and i'll be like that wasn't a rape joke like they just you they reference the word like this i think we have these triggers in our head that we for some odd reason through facebook and all the social media stuff that we've been conditioned to like when we hear or see it's just to like attack mode and even when sometimes when they say that, like they made a rape joke, when, like you said, when you go back and see the context that it was put in, but a lot of times if they show the video, it's like the, the one liner that included that word. But when the, you listen to the five minutes that they ran before, it had nothing to do with rape. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't that they weren't promoting it. They weren't doing anything like that. So I agree with you. And I think there are those hot button words that we just jump all over no matter what. And I think too, a lot of people, because uh, we're so like even as a, even as, as the country as a whole, we're pretty much segregated. Like certain areas are tend to, you know, have certain views or certain like interests, and you know that make that I don't know help them develop their political views or whatever. I don't know, but so everyone's on social media and the algorithms. So like if I mean you do racing and other stuff, so like you that's your that's your social media algorithm. You get to see all that stuff. Yeah. Right now with what I've been doing with roast war, like you said earlier, my entire algorithm is racing and comedy. Yeah. So that's all you see. And so if you take, that's just a code, like, you know, being a Republican or a Democrat, you know, would be, or if you were pro gay or anti gay, or if you, whatever, if you're wanted to be in the Nazi party, if that's all you did, then that's what you're going to see on social media. So I think you get this like false belief that you're, there's so many other people just like you when in fact it's 
not that large of an audience, but that's just all you see. So it just reinforces and makes your beliefs even stronger. And I think that's I think that's a great point that you just made there, because I think a lot of times we talk about social media and, and our technology ease of connecting with the outside world. But really what it has done is it's isolated us even more than really. I, I don't feel like we learn more about the outside world or other viewpoints, the algorithms and what we're fed keeps us in our belief system and even isolates us away from other things and even it, more. it keeps us happy it keeps us in a nice little thing where people can advertise to us and they know i mean if you if i'm sure if someone i'm sure there's algorithms for this i'm sure people have done like research and studies but i would assume that there's like a big difference between even not just the media that we consume and the entertainment that we consume but even clothing brands food brands uh fast food you know i bet there's a huge difference between like what republicans want to go do on the weekends with their kids versus democrats i'm sure there's some crossover but i bet you are they they have us down to a t of like how to advertise how to sell to us even from podcasting and like comedy people or whatever your demographic is they they got you right there where they want you well we were talking just before here when i mean even and i'm by no means uh a multi-million dollar company or even close to it. But even the advertising stuff I was showing you on Facebook earlier, where I could drill down into age ranges and locations and what they're interested in. And I don't have the backing and the power of, you know, some of these big ones because it is still one of the creepiest things to me that you can get on Amazon and look for a product. And then the next three weeks, every ad you see on Facebook will be for that product. Oh my, okay. So I was, um, this is crazy. I, we were, well, I was at a mic on Thursday and we were talking about some stuff and we were, somehow we were talking about like Native American, South America, like that, it just came up. And I rarely ever get like um, uh, notifications from YouTube, like suggesting things. And I got a thing about some like sketch or comedy thing, like in South America. So like it was able to know like, okay, she's, my phone was able to know that I was running other comics and we were talking about Native Americans or South America, something like that came up. And um, then so it suggested like a sketch of the crate and like that is they're listening. It, it was well, it's probably been a handful of years ago, but and I don't know where Facebook has gone with it, but I, I read an article. They had bought an Israeli facial recognition um, company and it was Israel had produced it for their military. But what Facebook bought it for was they were actually going to build out cameras that could go on storefronts. So like if you walked into like, let's let's say Pizza Hut, it would have researched all of your Facebook by recognizing your face, any post you've ever made. And it would automatically suggest the what your order would be, what you would want, give you discounts based on that. So, yeah, that. I mean, that's so creepy to me that not only are they listening, now they're going to recognize my face everywhere I go. And, you know, you got to be careful on what you're purchasing and what may, <laughs> may mean, come up. Eventually, they're really, I mean, ads are just going to, at some point in the future. And I mean, they're going to be in our be, head. The ads will be like in our head. Like, we'll be like walking down the street and they're going to be so customized that only we're going to be like, oh, Chick-fil-A. Like, it'll just, and other people won't see it. It'll just be us. And then I'm, I'm assuming because of the way algorithms work, they're going to be able to like code that. And then like you're going to be able to with your friends be like, oh, my God, did you guys just see the Chick-fil-A ad? Let's go meet. And it's going to be so like 
just detailed and specific. Yeah, they'll be running your dreams. Oh, yeah. You'll be dreaming at night about a Chick-fil-A sandwich. Oh, my God. Okay, so this is crazy. This is by far the craziest thing that's ever happened to me. I don't know how this happened. I I can't even, I've never told anybody this. Okay, so what- And we're going to do it right now live. Right now live. So I had went to bed one night and I had a dream about Polly Shore. And- I can't help it. Like, I loved Polly Shore when I was little. So but, I just, out of everywhere this would have went, I didn't think we were going to go Polly no. Shore. It was the weirdest thing. And I woke up and like, it was, it was an awesome dream. And I'm like, I'm never going to be that happy in my life. No. So I go and I get online because I, I had to like do something before I left for work. And then all of a sudden I got a, um, a notification. They're like, Polly Shore's random rants. And I was like, that is so weird. And I clicked on it. And yeah. So now I, I now he's a, it's a great podcast. So they are in our dreams already. I don't. I just don't know where that stops. I mean, that's the whole thing too. And just to connect all of this, and I, I really don't. This may be an episode I actually do go back and listen to, just because I don't really know where how we even got to this point in our conversation. But to connect it back to the government, if you think the president's really controlling things, you're you're crazy. I mean, the information and the the money in these corporations and what they can track us on, we are well beyond worrying about the government because yeah. Facebook is controlling a lot more than what the government is. Oh, it is. I mean, and not even so much in, in a sense. It just it just happened that way. It's just the way that it, it worked out. It wasn't like there was some plan. It just happened. Well, and that's what I I saw the other day. The new Amazon Alexa stuff that you know and. And I love my Alexa. I have one here. It listens to me. And, but like now they have one that's a ring that you wear that you can actually ask Alexa questions. They have eyeglasses that you wear that you can ask Alexa questions. Like, why do I need it that much? Like, that's the whole thing. Like, at what point can I just get away from technology? And I, I'm a, I'm a techie guy. I like new things. I like technology, but at some point, I don't want Alexa with me at all all stops of the day. See, I'm, I don't know. I'm the opposite. I don't have an Alexa. I don't even use, I don't use Surrey. I don't, and, and technically, I, I do need to figure that stuff out because I'll be driving and like sometimes like I'll put an, I'll be driving and I'll put an address in and I'm sure there's a way to be like, hey, Alexa, pull up MapQuest and I don't know why I don't do it, but I should, but I'm just not a big techie person. You just, you just, you've never jumped on that, all that kind of stuff? No, I hate, I don't, I, I don't like having to hear like dings all the time. I, I mean, it's just, it's more trouble than it's worth. I don't know. Okay. So now I've got to ask this on your phone. Does it drive you nuts if there's like a notification on an app? Sometimes. Sometimes. I, I, um, I don't. For, I had some, for some reason, I had followed somebody's thing on YouTube. So I had to turn on my notification things. And then I had like 300 notifications. So I went through and I was like, nope, goodbye. Yeah, that drives me nuts. And like, like my emails on my phone and like if it gets to like, and I get a ton of emails with work and everything I do, but if, if it gets like 25, I have to go get it cleared off. My wife's phone, she's got like 1400 emails on there and it's, it's got this huge, and I'm like, how do you, how do you open your phone and see that? And I, it, it's dumb. I don't know why it bothers me, but. It bothers me because it's something that you know that you have to deal with <laughs> at some point you have to because there could be like something important amidst all the like junk emails that you get. And that's I think that's exactly right, because if it was just one, it wouldn't bother me if I knew the one was important because I could get to it. But I, that's exact. I'm going to have to go through one hundred and twenty five emails 
to find the two that I really need to actually address something with. And then you have to unsubscribe, and it's such a pain. <laughs> I'm so sick of that. And they make it like it's like a cat and mouse game it's like a scavenger hat like where's the unsubscribe and then sometimes you have to go through questionnaires it's like i don't want to answer why i just i just don't want your emails that's what, that exactly when it's when you're trying to cancel or leave something like well could you tell us how we could do it better could you do this what if we give you a month free no i just want to be gone i, yeah. I don't want to be here anymore i just wanted to read that one article <laughs> leave me alone yes i don't want to subscribe i don't want anything else i want to i want to be done and yeah. Okay. So it's similar to the, the robo calls. How many of the robo calls are you getting? Um, I get a lot right now. Um, and there for a while I didn't get any, and now I'm starting to get a lot like about uh, vacation specialists. Oh yeah. Um, something about a new bank. I mean, just weird random stuff that I don't even know why I'm getting calls. Do you for. get the Chinese one where they speak all in Chinese? No, I have not got that one. Oh my gosh. I've gotten it like three times in the last couple of weeks. And it's like, it's they, the whole recording is in Chinese. Like I have no clue. <laughs> like, how did you, how did the algorithm end up getting the robo call to me? Because I have no clue what you're even talking about. I don't know. That's unless funny. it's, unless they're trying to get me to say something that, they can record or something yeah. like that, but I, yeah, I have no clue. So, so in the podcast, and I know we had talked to, you're looking at, you'd like to get into doing some kind of sketch stuff at some point uh, as well. Have you done any acting, anything like that in the uh, past? No, 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 no. I just, I have some bits that I know would make great sketches just like the commentary and i didn't i didn't write it out that way thinking that but like it's going back in hindsight and be like that would be like a really good sketch at least i think i could be wrong i don't know anything about sketches or sketch writing i just you know like when i'm performing it i have to like kind of pretend that i'm talking to somebody or someone's talking to me mm -hmm. and i'm like that would be like a really good sketch are you a big saturday night live fan um yes and no i used to, growing up i was and then as i've gotten older like i mean it's tv so like it's like you push the envelope a little bit more, but they can't. You have to, you know. But no, I, it's, SNL is a, is a great is a, is a great show. Well, and I'm the same exact way, and I love talking to people about it because the old stuff I thought was like gold. And I, even when you talk about sketch writing, the thing that I, I am disappointed in them now, they have just become kind of recycling the, the news or the politics. And there isn't – what I said the other day to somebody was – so many movies came out of great Saturday Night Live sketches, whether it's Blues Brothers or uh, Wayne's World or, you know, uh, whatever, Night at the Roxbury, whatever it may be. Um, I don't see a sketch on there now that I think, oh, yeah, they could take that and turn that into a, a great movie. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, no, I haven't I haven't watched in a while. I'll I'll watch like bits and pieces. I, I'm a YouTube. I, if I see something I think is funny, I'll watch on YouTube. But, but I think... I think looking back and like when I was growing up watching it, the sketches were more relatable. And now I'm sure if I really sat down and watched it, I'd be like, yeah, yeah, that's kind of relatable, but just not to where I'm at right now. Um, but no, yeah, I, I don't, I couldn't, I couldn't see a show, a movie or a show coming out of the stuff that they're doing now. Yeah, that's a good point. And, and even, and I think there's some really funny people in there, not knocking them, but I don't know there's the iconic, like when you go back and talk about Chris Rock and, you know, uh, Chris Farley, when he was on there, and, and the guys, Adam Sandler, the guys that have kind of come out of that whole deal. Now, Sandler has kind of sold out and just makes really bad movies now. But <laughs> at one point, he was... He I was, love Adam Sandler. Love Adam Sandler. 
Um, but yeah, no, some of his stuff now. But even they did Grown Ups, wasn't uh, Chris Rock was in that one? Yep. Yeah, that one wasn't very good. And well, he's just kind of become. And I listened to a great interview with him at one point, and he talked about all of his Netflix stuff. He pay, is paid for totally by sponsorship placement. Oh wow! And so he makes Call all me, of those Adam. movies for no. free. It is. It's but then when I go back and watch them, they're still not any better of a movie. But his business sense is unbelievable because you start noticing, like you talked about them being in our heads. The Pizza Hut box is turned just right, and they're always mm-hmm. drinking Pepsi, or they're oh, always doing. Oh yeah, yeah, no, I was watch. I love constantly. Okay. Oh my, okay. Uh, what is uh, Mr. Deeds? Oh uh, yeah. That I was like, well, and I love Rob Schneider. Like I've had the biggest crush on Rob Schneider, so he's in all the Adam Sandler movies. So uh, you know, I'm hooked. But I was watching uh, uh, Mr. Deeds, and yeah, the Coke and all that stuff was like, and I was like, oh, I bet they get paid for that. Absolutely. Yeah. You underestimated my sneakiness. Yeah. Mr. Deeds. <laughs> I love. That's a great show or a great movie. I haven't watched it in forever, but it is one of the best. I also saw the other day. Um, oh, what was the? Uh, what was the one where he's the dad, Big Daddy? Was it oh, Big Daddy? Oh yeah, well, he, like this. He, the kid comes like later. Yeah, I think yeah. it's Big Daddy. The Hooters. Yes, yeah. he's got the. But that the kid that was the the actor that was the child in that, and Adam Sandler just had a reunion. The kid's like I don't know twenty now or something. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's all grown up, but it was it was pretty cool. But I also, you know, you talk about how Chris Rock and all those guys are in all those movies. I was listening to him talk about his his daughter's um, uh, bat mitzvah and. Talked about like Chris Rock showed up and Jennifer Aniston was there. Adam Levine performed. And I'm thinking like, what what a life. Like you're 16, 17 year old girl and Adam Levine's performing for you. And Chris Rock is hanging out over here and Jennifer Aniston's over here. And like, that it's, has to be so surreal. It's so surreal. But at the same time, um, I think, I mean, it's just their life. I mean, and, they're, and it's... Some like they had sixteen and pre- or not sixteen and pregnant sixteen my my sweet sixteen oh yeah they had that on MTV I remember watching that um just all kinds of stuff like that wasn't that like the most ridiculous thing though it was ridiculous but I don't know if it's related like it's just so like relative to like you know it's like a culture thing you know it's I think it's just relative to like that once you reach a certain economic plateau or platform you know what I mean like that's just the norm. Well, and Adam Sandler said, <laughs> he said, I have no clue what we spent on it. He said, my wife kept me out of all those decisions, but I have no idea what we spent on it. But he said it was not cheap. But and you're I right. I wouldn't want Adam Levine, though. That's I, I that I would have I would have pushed for something way different. Not Adam Levine. OK, then who? I don't know. I would have want. Oh, God, if I could have any performer. I would have went like electronic. I would have gotten like a dead mouse or Def Punk. I would have pushed for Def Punk. All right. All right. That's cool. I don't know. I don't know who I would have. I actually, da- I when I got married, I danced to an Adam Sandler song. It was the, uh, from Wedding Singer. Oh, yeah. The Girl but, Old With You. Yeah. Yeah. When he's on the plane. That was what we danced to. Yeah. That's very cool. Yeah. That's another great movie. Great movie. See, Sandler, that's the only thing. His early ones were unbelievable. And I think, I... <clears throat> I think that I think people because those are great shows. I mean, they could be made today and they'd still be amazing. I just don't think there's anybody catering to that demographic right now for some odd reason. Um, yeah, and I don't know why because I think that's the bigger population, the people that 
are really into those type of movies and you're not seeing that anymore. No, Billy Madison, you know, um, going back, uh, what other, some happy Gilmore. I mean, he had some iconic, great movies that he came out with. So, um, now I don't know what the one I just listened to his interview on Howard Stern this week and he's got a new one. That's like a drama and he's actually doing a dramatic role and, um, but I haven't, I haven't even seen what it is. I think it's, it's with on, Jennifer Aniston, isn't it? I think so. Yeah, I think it'll be good. I bet it'll be good. I haven't, I haven't watched any of the previews yet or not. But no, I'm a, I'm a huge, and I will say that talking about kind of comedy influences, not that he, or com being a comedy fan is, I don't do comedy, but his early albums of his comedy mm. were some of the, I think funniest things for me because I had grown up with my parents who were big Carlin fans and. Richard Pryor and so it was a real stand-up feel and then all of a sudden when he came in it was more of a you know comedy songs and sketches and still some jokes but it was constantly kind of a different feel than what what everybody else had done before and I don't because I, I was out in LA for a little while I did a bunch of open mics out there and talking and there you get like at the mics I it, there just seemed to be like a lot of writers actors c comics you know you had like a great mix of just all kinds of different entertainers and I was talking to some people and they said that you know Hollywood really isn't making I don't I don't know if this is true I'm just repeating what was said that um, Hollywood really isn't making a lot of comedies right now that's not where the money is and a lot of it has to do with because to for a, um, a studio or whoever does the production and all that stuff to really make money off of a film the best bang for your buck is like the trilogies mm -hmm. and it's hard to do a trilogy with comedy I guess but they did with um what was that uh the hangovers yeah all those yeah and that's what you know I, I would agree with that and I also think they got into a a time there where all of the comedies kind of started to feel like the same thing I mean and, and when you look like when I look back at the greatest comedy movies you know when you look at Animal House and because I could sit down and watch Animal House every day of the week and Caddyshack and oh, I love um, Caddyshack oh that that's they're so different and unique um, that they're and I think that's what the hangover was the first time it came out or, you know, old school or stepbrothers. Because I'm a big Will Ferrell guy, too. <laughs> I think Will Ferrell's hilarious. Um, I think it, it, the creativity maybe is is not where it was at one point. And and I guess that's crazy because Animal House doesn't seem like that creative of a show. But at the time, at the time, that was pushing the limits. I mean, or porkies back then or some of those great 80s comedies that you're kind of shocked those were actually released at the time they were you know and, and pushing that limit and I, I just i don't see us doing that as much anymore but but there, i mean there's still some I don't you know. can you see i think that's where yeah like i think now i think there's gonna be or there should be i hope there is i think there needs to be like a renaissance not just like in comedy but just across the board as far as entertainment i i don't think because uh, everything's going like YouTube online mm -hmm. people and it's because some of the stuff that you, the value that you get on TV isn't that great. It's not anything worth like T-bowing or sitting down and watching and to talk about to your friends or it's just not worth it. I'm trying to think right now like what the r last really funny movie I watched was that wasn't like a classic. And I don't, I don't even know. I You know what? I was... Some of like the speaking of the classics like National Lampoons like all those I was oh. I was running the other day and something hit me like at the end you know like when Eddie brings in the boss 
And she's like, and the wife's like, uh, sorry, this is our family's first kidnapping. Like, no, it wasn't. It was a second kidnapping because you guys kidnapped John Candy and, you know, and like little things like that, that they were able to take like all these and intertwine like these films and stuff. And um, yeah, you can still totally. And I think that's kind of what Adam Sandler did, even though the movies weren't like the same family. He had the same cast. Oh, yeah. And he referenced stuff that you can do when you have like a trilogy and it's still it's the same effect as like, you know, a Star Wars or, a, you know. Well, even you, Farley and Spade. Yeah. I mean, if they would have kept going, who knows how many comedy movies they would have made and agreed. You know, Tommy Boy is totally different from Black Sheep, but mm-hmm. you still got Farley and Spade and they're... The duo, the comedy duo yes. is the same. So it's the same. Yeah. And that's where I look back when you think about, you know, losing Chris Farley. If Farley was in that group now with Rob Schneider and Adam Sandler and Chris Rock and David Spade, they would have they would have killed yeah. i mean it, it that that would have still been an amazing amazing group but i yeah i can't think of one really great comedy that i've seen recently that i'm just like and it has to be relatable i think what we've done so much and i think this probably just has to do with advertising and being able to advertise and drill in with a certain market it's been so much like the you know husband wife or the bachelor party or all these different things that like not everyone is that into or at least not anymore right yeah we've we've kind of outgrown some of that i'm and people don't yeah let's see is this this is the 50 best comedy movies of this decade so let's see see if i'm i'm we're both kind of on the same page here number 50 is neighbors Neighbors. I've never heard of it. That was the one with Zach Efron where the fraternity house moves oh, in next that. door. Zach Efron. That yeah. is a diff that doesn't even they're not even old enough to understand no. Next. That I haven't seen it, but I'm telling that's a weird okay. I'm gonna be honest. The the li- the list is <laughs> is not getting this is m- much better. Um let's see. Let me let me skip ahead here to like the top 10 because you go to the top. Yeah. Cause of the, the top 50, I, or that group, I didn't know. Number 10 is everybody wants some. I don't know that one. Everybody wants. Is that an older movie? It's during this. Oh, I don't know when it came out, but it was during this uh, decade. So sorry to bother you. Haven't seen that. Never even heard of it. The death of Stalin is number eight. That's a comedy? Is that a dark comedy? <laughs> I guess. That's that's another one I haven't heard of. Maybe I'm just not watching the right movies. <laughs> uh, number seven is The Grand Budapest Hotel. That's not a... I like that show. I wouldn't consider it a comedy, but I liked it. I mean, it's got Bill Murray in it. Okay, I do know that one. Yeah, it's... Uh, what's his face? Um, I should know this. Uh, anyways, the, he did um, Moonrise Kingdom and all... Yeah. Number five is Game Night. Game Night. Which was, um, oh. uh, Are these grossing maybe? Like how much they. I think it's based on this, whoever made this list. That was Jason Bateman where um, they end up. They're, they they have this game night, but they end up like in a murder mystery. This is because I'm thinking when I'm like, you haven't done Home Alone that and that that was one of the first movies i i mean even okay let's see uh uh my cousin vinny is not on there like that's hilarious oh my cousin vinny is great let's see 
Top com- because I think that was just in the last 10 years. So let's see top comedy movies of all time. Movies. I wonder if, I, I bet you there's a connection between like the, the all times and then the ones of the past 10 years. Let's see what we come up with here. Or maybe I need to reevaluate my. <laughs> okay. How oh, is that? That was not what I wanted. The 30 funniest movies of all time based on this is Hollywood's greatest works of comedic genius. So let's see. Oh, number one, Monty Python and the Holy Grail. That's Were you a Monty Python yes, person? Ma- I went to a Christian school growing up in South Florida and our science teacher would make us would put that on during like, you know, like the the last day before Christmas break or Thanksgiving. And we'd watch yeah, Monty Python. Well, I always used to show because I was a social studies teacher. I would show the history of the Monty Python's the history, history of, the of the world. world. It's one of the most accurate like movies, Movie. historical really movies good. you can actually see. Um, number two, Anchorman. Anchorman's good. I like it. I just don't know if I'd put it to. I wouldn't put it to, but I, it, it's a good show. It's a good movie. Number three, Airplane. Airplane is hilarious. Airplane Mel is Brooks. great. It is anything Mel Brooks did Airplane too, didn't he? No. No. Yeah. Did Mel Brooks do Airplane? I don't know. I don't. I don't know. We'll have to look. I'll look up. Number four, bringing up Mel Brooks, so, Young Frankenstein. Young Frankenstein is great. It is. I I just, it's funny you bring that up. I just watched a, a special, like a, a doc on uh, somebody making like a documentary on Mel Brooks. And I, I was going like, and I've seen Young and Frankenstein, Frankenstein cause it was one of my mom's favorite movies. Mm-hmm. So like now I want to, cause he had said something and they showed a clip. I'm like, I want to go back and rewatch that. Cause it, I think, yeah, I want to go back and rewatch Young Frankenstein. Number five, Napoleon Dynamite. Eh, it was okay. Number six, this is Spinal and Tap. And that came out when I was young, too. And, I, and I'm and i still saying, yeah, it's okay. Spinal Tap's hilarious. Yeah, I love this, is Spinal Tap. This Bla- Blazing Saddles is great. Is that even on it's the not, list? It's not on here what? yet. And I'm, I'm shocked. But that may be outrage culture because I, I just would love to see a Mel Brooks produce that today. I think we need some. Uh, we need every... something that shocking. Yes. Yes. Number seven, Borat. Which I loved, loved Borat because it was so different than anything that had been done. And people actually believed he was there to <laughs> to do interviews. Um, number eight is Duck Soup. That was from 1933. I don't believe I've seen Duck Soup. So number nine, the original Ghostbusters, 1984. Yes. Love it. Um, have you seen the preview for the new Ghostbusters? The There's another one? No. Th- this one actually looks pretty good. And it's like they end up finding... It's connected to the 84 film, so it, it looks a lot is better. Is Bill Murray in it? I think, Bill, I think Bill Murray is a cameo in it. Number 10, The 40-Year-Old Virgin. That was good. Yep. Number 11, Raising Arizona. <gasps> that is one of my favorite movies. Great one. Number 12, one of my favorites, Office Space. Office Space is great. Office Space, one of my favorites. Number 13, Austin Powers. That's good. That's. Number 14, Bridesmaids. I haven't seen it. I've seen bits and pieces of it. Uh, Oh, uh, 15, The Jerk. Steve Martin, (gasps) I love The Jerk. That's a great one. 16 is Wet Hot American Summer. 17 is Elf. One of, with Will Ferrell. Ferrell. Yeah. Love that. Uh, Let's see. Number 19 is Animal House. I'm with you. I can't believe that Blazing Saddles hasn't been on here yet. I remember that Animal House came up before I was born. What year was it? It was like 81 or 80. Uh, 
Either 78. That, okay. my Because that's when my parents were married. And I remember my mom, tell, I don't know why this sticks out in my head, but my mom did not want to go see that. And my dad made her go. And she remembers saying, like, she just laughed the whole entire time. That's like The Hangover, which The Hangover is on here on number... 22 but i remember like when it came it came out in 2009 so i would have just gotten out of college and i remember us bringing it home and my parents like we're not watching this this is this will be dumb and they ended up sitting in and watching it was the same kind of thing they died through the whole movie and it my i think my parents even still own it on dvd uh because they loved it so much but oh 25 the naked gun oh those were great love gun 26 billy madison so he made the list. 28 is Caddyshack. That's way too far back for Caddyshack, in my opinion. Yeah, that was... Caddyshack is... A, even still today to sit down and watch that, oh, it is hilarious. And, and the cast. You got Chevy Chase. You got Rodney Dangerfield. Dangerfield. Oh, my gosh. 29 Blazing Saddles. And Blazing that's Saddles way too far great. back. They did a viewing, and I wanted to go. They were doing it at the IMA during like the summer movie series that they do out there on the lawn and blazing saddles is one of the shows that they really show, yeah i mean <laughs> that that will forever be but again it's about context because if you just see the the movie or just see parts of the movie it looks like one of the most awful things ever but mel brooks whole point was to point out how racist the hollywood westerns had been produced before were yeah and so it was actually a call to action piece. I mean, that, Richard Pryor wouldn't have been in <laughs> the movie if it was this huge racist documentary or racist movie. But I, I do. I agree with you. I think we need more of that kind of push in the limit. They did. I didn't I didn't realize Richard Pryor was in it, though. I think he is. Isn't is he? he? Am I wrong? I don't think so. I don't I don't think he I mean, he did a lot of movies with the who's the guy with the curly hair. Uh, Gene. Gene Wilder. Yeah. I thought he was. He did. He's done a bunch. Of, I know he's done a bunch of movies with um, uh, Gene Wilder. But the he he wasn't the the ah uh, ah no 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 I am wrong. Richard Pryor. I knew there was a connection. He was the original point to play the sh- original choice to play the. Oh, sheriff, that makes sense. But did not end up doing it. Um, let me see here. I'll read the actual thing here. I I knew there was a connection, but. Uh, da, da, da. Richard Pryor was the original choice, but due to his past history of drug use, the studio would not back him. Oh, that makes sense. So, did you ever see Moving? The movie Moving. It's got it's Richard Pryor and Dana Carvey, isn't it? No, I don't think it so. It is hilarious. It's a dark comedy. It's hilarious. Dana Carvey is another one that he I think is. is hel- Dana Carvey is funny. watching him do impressions i could Mm -hmm. sit all day long and watch him do impressions because he can physically mimic them as much as he sounds like them he is so good um trying to think of eight heads and another really eight heads in a duffel bag oh that's a great one it's like that's like an underground like but it is so funny that is a great one uh and i am also i'm a huge jay and silent bob Kevin uh, Smith, I Mall love rats. Mall Rats, Clerks. Those are some of my favorites. Uh, if if they're on or if I get the chance, those will be ones I sit down and watch. So, well, we are at an hour and eight minutes. Oh wow, crazy enough. It, that's crazy. <laughs> so, and uh, so Sandra, I do want to say thank you. This was a ton of fun. Like I said, 
Um, we have covered everything from your past, your uh, starting a comedy to uh, politics and outrage culture and movies. And I, I think we kind of hit on most yeah. good stuff. Great stuff. Uh, so, hey, if you want to see Sandra this Friday night, so this will release Thursday. So tomorrow night at Vern's place, 8 p.m., no cover charge. She is in Roast War Championship 6, and she will be taking on Sarah Huntington. And, Sandra, I am so lucky to have you as part of my team um, because I don't know if you know, but the side bet between Juice and I, whichever team comes out victorious, that winner gets to pick the outfit that the loser wears to roast a mania when we roast each other. Oh, that'll be fun. So That'll I, be interesting. I really need to win. Yes, you do. Because right. I don't want to have to wear something that Juice wants me to wear. <laughs> no, you don't have to. Only me. Oh, only you. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Only I thought, me. I thought you said they all the. I was like, whoa. Wait no, no, a no. Second. I would not. I would not let Juice pick out anything for any females. See, that I'm would logical. Be... So then I start thinking. See, I'm horrible. Like I don't trust anyone. I'm like, oh, those bastards. No, no, I would never let Juice pick out anything for any females. Um, <laughs> I'm I'm terrified of what he'll pick out for me. So no, just me. You are safe, but I need your best effort so we can we can all go pick out something for Juice That'll to make him fun. look yes. ridiculous. That sounds like a great plan. So, Sandra, thank you. Um, do you want to give out your social media or where people can uh, see you? Sure. Um, well, I'll be at Vern's this Friday. Uh, tomorrow, you can find me on all social media, Sandra Edgel, um, Sandra Edgel on Facebook and Twitter, and I do believe. I think you can search me, Sandra Edgel, on Instagram, but my ta- my on Instagram, it's Edgel S. Um, and it's, should I spell my name? No. I know my parents screwed me with that. It's not like a simple name like Jack Black or Sarah Huntington. No, they got to be difficult. If you, if that's a great thing to wrap up here. If you became famous, you know, you, you end up hitting it. Would you change your name? Uh, if I had to because of social media? Uh, yeah. I would. I'd change my name, cut my hair, whatever you. I would. <laughs> anything you anything need. Anything you need. Because that's my my mother's name is Shoshana. Ah. And I've always laughed because she's never gone by that. She goes by Sherry, but she has no middle name because Shoshana. And I I remember being in elementary school when they're like, start learning how to write your parents' names, and I'm like, no, <laughs> Shoshana, no, it's not happening. I had so, an aunt Sherry, but she went by Sherry. My grandma was Sandra, but she went by Sally. Really? Yeah. That's an interesting kind of... Her, her, not her dad. My, my grandpa, he, I never met him. They all died before I was born. But he called her Sally for some odd reason. All right. Know. All right. So, hey, I mean it. Get out and see Sandra. She is extremely, extremely funny. I have enjoyed sitting here and talking with you. And um, go and support local comedy. Um, yes. I'm telling you, I... It's one thing when the big names come through, but there is so much great comedy that's going on. Just, local comedy is just as good. Just as good. Absolutely. And, and it's we've talked a lot today about being relatable. You guys are a lot more relatable than when some big touring comic comes through because you guys are right here in Indiana. You got to drive the same shitty roads in Indianapolis. <laughs> we all do. Um, so you, you know what, what life is like here in Indiana. So go see your local comedy and everybody we will be back next week joining me next week will be rachel wolf and she'll be talking a little bit about um her road to where she's gotten and kind of the ups and downs she's experienced so uh i thank everybody and we'll be back next week